0: Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot at what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Menashe. This is the weekend edition where we interview notable people from the world of real estate investing. Today is no exception. We have an amazing guest all the way from Toronto, Canada. Welcome to the show, Jazz Tucker.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Victor. I am. Very, very excited to be on your podcast. I know uh, your listeners are, are seasoned investors and uh, I myself have been doing this for a very long time and just want to bring as much value as I possibly can. So thank you so much for having me on today.
0: Well, great to have you here, Jazz. You are part of a real estate team based in Toronto and you service a wider range of clients. Maybe give a little bit of your backstory and how you got to this point in your journey.
1: Yes, myself and my business partner, we manage a team here of 44 real estate agents in the greater Toronto area. And so for your out-of-province and out-of-country listeners, that's an approximate 75-kilometer radius. We've been doing it now for 16 years. We help a little over 625 buyers, sellers, and investors, out of which I would say it's safe to say for the last decade, 50% of our client base is made up of investors. My parents came from India to Canada back in 1974. And what we like to call is the East Indian special, which is buy a home and rent out the basement as soon as you possibly can. And that's how my father being a taxi driver, my mother being a factory worker her whole life, that's how they made ends meet. There's three brothers and, you know, not that we had nothing, but we also didn't have everything. Right. And so how they offset the costs was by investing into real estate. And and I got the bug at a very young age. I actually wanted to get my license because I thought that they were going to teach me how to invest into real estate. But anybody who has a real estate agent license, you know that they don't teach you anything about investing. So I surrounded myself with people that have done it and done it on a big level. And and it's why I'm such a big proponent of podcasts like yours, books, workshops, because if you surround yourself with people that are doing what you want to do, it makes it easier. It doesn't mean that there's not going to be any obstacles, but it definitely makes it easier. And I've had some amazing mentors along
0: the way. I love that. I love your story. And It's from humble beginnings and guess what? Nobody was born or very few people were born into portfolios of thousands of units. Most people started just like you, maybe with a basement apartment, maybe with that little 1950s bungalow just as a rental property and grew from there. And there's so many stories like that. My story is a very similar one. I bought a single condo in about four blocks from Parliament Hill and just started from there.
1: Look, I mean, for everybody who wants to have thousands upon thousands of doors like I love the ambition and yes, go after that because you can create so much wealth within real estate. But also, as you mentioned, it starts with one taking the action. There's a massive sign above my head here that obviously your listeners can't see, but it says ready, fire, aim. Andy Grove from uh,
0: Intel, famous quote.
1: Exactly. And in fact, I'm actually wearing a t-shirt that has RFA, the, the acronym on it, because I'm always trying to remind myself and people around me, look. There is a lot to making sure that you get educated and reading, as I mentioned, but at the end of the day, the biggest difference maker, and I think you'll attest to it yourself, Victor, is the guys and gals that actually took action, right? And and when you're investing in real estate, it's actually quite easy from that sense, because you can purchase property and tie it up. Do the due diligence afterwards. Like, don't wait to run your numbers because there's going to be someone that listens to Victor's podcast who is an action taker and they're going to purchase it right underneath you and you were still running your numbers. Real estate allows you to put into contracts where you can make it conditional upon due diligence, your mortgage broker seeing it. There's so many conditions. And so I hope, I hope that more and more people take
0: action. I love it. Now, let's talk a little bit about the Toronto market because it's a unique market, not only in Canada, but also perhaps even globally. We've gone through a pandemic and at the peak, we had a point in time where there was close to 30,000 units for rent in the core of the city, which is absolutely unprecedented. If you were an owner of one of those units, you were probably terrified as heck. What were you advising your clients to do and how has the market unfolded?
1: So in terms of what we were advising our clients in fact we actually polled our clients a couple of weeks ago we did a live webinar we had a little over 350 400 people on it and as we were doing this webinar we were polling our clients and just asking them like did you hold on did you hold on or did you actually sell your property I think it was close to 96% of people that were on that webinar that are our clients that have invested with us. They held on. They held on to their properties and I'm so happy they did and and I know they are as well because we have seen values year over year as of today, as of this recording, almost mid-April, we've seen them rise of 21.6%. I mean, That I haven't seen. The highest I saw was back in 2017 when it went up by about 17.6%. But right now, if you compare the average price of homes and condos, they went up by 21% compared to last year. So our message to our clients was what it's always been. Hold on as long as you possibly can, because values in real estate, they always go up and down, upwards, If we look back to the last 100 years here in the greater Toronto area, that 75, 80 kilometer radius, if you look back to the last 100 years, this is factual. This is not forecast like I left my crystal ball at home today, so this is no crystal ball stuff. Every decade, on average, values double. And so knowing those facts, we were just in a little bit of a slump. It was a slump. There was like people didn't leave their home at the first part of the pandemic. And that first lockdown, people didn't leave as they shouldn't have left. And so what you started to see is sales drop. But then within about three months, and that's exactly I'm going to say about May 2020, you started to see values creep up again slowly very slowly by about 3% to 3.5%. But then what we started to see at the end of 2020 was the fact that there was really no inventory. There was no inventory for all your listeners. This GTA that I speak about, the greater Toronto area, we're really on a real estate island. On the south of us, we have the lake. So we haven't figured out what Dubai has, which is where they build on water. On the northern part of our city, we have a green belt legislation, which restricts us and restricts developers to build to preserve the land. And so you're on this real estate island. You can't there's not really many subdivisions being built. That's why you see so many condos. I think we're number two or number three in the world with the amount of cranes that are in the sky right now. And I think that's going to just continue to happen. And with this increase that I spoke about, about 21 percent, Victor, borders were closed. Nobody was coming in we were down 85% in terms of immigration. Now, in my opinion, once the borders start to open up, consumer confidence is still high, even with us being in a lockdown, I think values are just gonna to continue to increase.
0: Traditionally, Toronto was added about 125,000 residents a year and only added typically 35, 40,000 units of new capacity to the market. So that's obviously putting upward pressure on prices. And as you said, there was virtually no immigration this year because the world has been in a lockdown situation. So that traditional driver of demand is going to rematerialize. There's talk about 350,000 immigrants being admitted to the country this year. A lion's share of those end up in the Toronto area. What's your perspective? Where are these people going to go? Well, I
1: think out of the 350,000 that you said, definitely the lion's share come here to the greater Toronto area. For a myriad of reasons. I mean, I know some of the rest of the country doesn't like what I say, but the truth of the matter is Toronto's the financial hub of our country. It really is the heart of the country. When it comes to immigration, you look at the multiculturalism in our city. I mean, there's a little India, obviously a little Italy and a little Somalia, a little, a little of everything here. Then you have all the major banks head offices are based here in Toronto. You have major hospitals, universities. The tech sector is actually outpacing in terms of jobs, Silicon Valley, like our tech sector is growing significantly so. That's the reason why people want to come into Toronto with the lockdown, what we did see, and you spoke about downtown Toronto, we actually saw values for downtown Toronto condos drop for the first time in a very, very long time. In fact, it dropped by 10 percent in the first part of the lockdown, which, you know, spring 2020, by the end of 2020, we saw a difference of six percent below what we were seeing the year before the time that we're sitting right now there's still real estate's gone on sale in downtown Toronto in my opinion what do i mean by that well you can get a condo 5% 4 to 5% less than you could a year a year and a half before and so my forecast and what i'm saying to my clients is we know people are going to start to come in 50% of that 350,000 number that you quoted are going to come into the greater Toronto area i also believe that big corporations and big companies are going to have people come back to work. I mean, there's tons of reports coming out from Harvard. Microsoft did a fantastic report on what is people's thought process on coming back to work. And it's as high as 75, 80 percent. People want to get back into the office. They want the culture. They want that environment. They want to be able to to throw ideas off of each other. So With that happening, the jobs being in downtown Toronto, you're going to see most people come back. I think we saw this probably about 20 years ago, 15, 20 years ago, where some of the millennials and some of the younger buyers and and even renters wanted the picket fence, the white picket fence. They wanted the backyard. But in the last decade, pre-COVID, you saw a massive push for lifestyle. They didn't want to shovel the snow. They didn't want to cut the grass. And so they were perfectly fine with their 500 square foot condo and hence why they were living in these downtown Toronto condos. And that's why I think the push is going to be coming back to these condos and you're going to see values rise. We've already saw it, right? 10% in the first month of the lockdown. We're now to about 4
0: to 5% below what we were seeing values compared to pre-COVID. So let's put this in perspective for our listeners because 82% of our listeners are actually based in the United States. When we're talking about house prices, what is our median house price for a detached home in Toronto today? So right now we're looking at a million dollars right now, as of today. That's a high price.
1: Now, is that just for a townhouse? Is that a detached home? That's a single family detached home. And if you're looking for a town home, it's slightly less than $900,000.
0: That's a big ticket for someone who's looking to get into home ownership maybe a first-time buyer. Think about the income that's required to support the level of debt that's going to be required to carry that property. People don't come out of college with a million cash in the bank, and they're probably not going to borrow even that much. So those are not starter homes by any measure. So the starter home is the condo now, and they generally start at that our average
1: for a new build condo right now is probably about 475 square feet, 500 square feet. And so the average price of that you're looking at about, I'm going to say about 550 to $600,000. So it makes it a lot more affordable. You're closer to the amenities that you want, i.e. transit, shopping, where you work. Once these restaurants and lounges open up what we're really known for here in Toronto. You're a lot closer in the core of downtown to all the amenities than in the suburbs. And there's one massive negative or con in Toronto for anybody who's ever been here is our traffic, especially in the wintertime. I truly believe there's only two seasons here sometimes, which is construction and winter. But when you go through this traffic. This 80 kilometer radius to get from one side to the other, it could take you an hour and a half, two hours if you're driving. So what do some of these younger millennials and or first time home buyers do? They want to live closer to where they work, where all the amenities are, and they get rid of their car. The amount of people that I speak to now, renters and purchasers that don't even have a car, they use the Ubers, the zip cars of the world, or they just want to bike and or use transit.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. Now, what you described, 500 square feet, half a million dollars, that's $1,000 a square foot. The hard cost of construction, even concrete constructions, around $250, $260 a square foot. What's driving that extra $750 a square foot? How does this all stack up if you're looking to build something in Toronto? Well, I mean,
1: it's the demand. It's that 175,000 people that are coming here. Also, the fact when we spoke about affordability, there's a condo that just got released just outside of downtown Toronto. There's 375 units in this building, Victor. Three thousand reservations, forms slash worksheets were put in. Wow. They sold the building 10 times over almost nine and a half times or whatever it is. So the demand and of that 3,000, so 1,500 were end users wanting to live there. The other 50% were investors. They wanted to be able to purchase this property, this unit, new build, which has its advantages because you don't have to put down your 20% all at once. You can put it in installments. You also don't need an actual mortgage right now. Like There's a formality, which is a pre-approval. 50% 50% of them were investors that just wanted to rent it out. And that is the massive win for investors, but also for developers. So it really is just the demand because of the people, the amount of people that are coming in and the fact that it really
0: is the only affordable type of real estate right now in our city. That makes a lot of sense. And I know there's a lot of folks that believe that condos are not a great investment compared with other asset classes, say, compared with buying a multifamily apartment complex where you're managing the entire thing as an investment property. What's your perspective on that? I know there are the amateur investors that might go out buy one, two, maybe four units, the doctors, dentists, lawyers, accountants that do that as distinct from the professional investors, and yet it's still worked out for them for the most part.
1: Yeah, look, I mean, with the multi-fams as well as the plazas, there's definitely economy of scale there, right? And for somebody who has already invested in a condo, a single family, we talked about the bungalows. I actually truly believe that the next rung on the ladder of investing is to get into multi-fam. I, I truly believe those are the best type of investments. However, on the flip side, to not have something in a new build or a condo, I think, is short-sighted as well, in our city anyway, specifically Toronto, because because we've shifted towards lifestyle living, which is wanting smaller places. Yes, even with COVID what we've seen with the pandemic. We need a little bit of extra space. But look, this is, in my opinion, very short term. We are going to go back to people working. And so why is new build condo, for example, one of my favorite types of investments? Because it's so passive. You're putting down deposits for three years. You wait till the building gets built while it's being built. You have the passive appreciation of what the market's doing, but there's a secret to the forced appreciation that the builder's applying. And what I mean by that is, is that there's about four stages of allocation of units, but every single allocation, the builder is increasing the price approximately two to 3% of the purchase price. So if it's a $500,000 condo, that's the first allocation that the builder's going to release. The second one is going to be in and around 515,000. Well, if as long as you bought in the first access of pricing, you're also going to see three other increases done by the builder within a 7 to 8 month period. So majority of my investors who do invest in new build when they buy from when the building gets built, Victor, that three-year period, they're earning approximately 125000 to $150,000. Now, it's on paper, but when you close, you can refinance, pull out the equity, own a condo in downtown Toronto or in and around downtown Toronto, essentially
0: for zero down. What you're describing matches exactly the process that we have in our plan for the condo building that we're building right now what you're describing is exactly the process. Well, Jaz, this has been great. Thank you for the insights on what's happening in the Toronto market. Uh, if folks want to learn more, if they want to get in touch, what's the best way?
1: I think the best way is to go check me out on my YouTube page. Again, your listeners can't see I'm a good-looking Indian guy, but all kidding aside, Check me out on my YouTube page, which is JazTakar. You can go to youtube.com forward slash JazTakar. Uh, figure out if uh, you want to learn more. And then there's tons of links and stuff on my YouTube page.
0: So that's J A S and takar T-A-K-H-A-R. So thank you, Jazz, And for the listeners at home, have an awesome rest of your weekend. Go make some great things happen. And we'll talk to you again tomorrow.